Pierre Rousseau is a South African who is in Sudan currently, trapped in the fighting, and joins us now on the line from Khartoum. Pierre, thank you very much for your time with us this morning here on The Weekend View. How, how are things for you there, just, just as you've experienced them? Um, how are things looking in Khartoum at the moment? Morning, yes, thanks. Um, Thursday evening was really uh, bad, and uh, uh, the, there was a uh, supposed ceasefire supposed to start last evening, but that hasn't come about. The uh, um, We had three large explosions uh, early this morning, so uh, the ceasefires aren't working at this stage, um, and fighting is continuing. It, it must be quite quite terrifying. You are obviously over there for work. Any any prospects or, or plans uh, to try and get out of there? And, and of course, what sort of what sort of support are you receiving at this at this point? Um, there has been talks of uh, evacuating um, expatriates in in general, uh, but the problem is the the airports uh, are closed and and damaged um, due to the fighting. It was most of the heaviest fighting in Khartoum has happened around the, the airport vicinity because there's a lot of military installations there. Mm. Um, and the, the, the airspace is closed. So at this stage, um, air evacuation seems to be uh, out of the window and uh, overland is, is pretty difficult because Khartoum is, is far from any neighboring country. Mm. I think the, the closest border is something like uh, a thousand kilometers away. Mm. We of course expected ceasefire in particular, um, you know, because because of Eid, and and one would have expected, in fact, um, that would have been a reason at least for for some calm overnight. But that has, in fact, not been the case. Yeah, un- unfortunately, um, we've had three ceasefire or so-called ceasefire um, agreements or attempts at agreements that have have failed, um, and. Uh, yeah, that, that's a pity because there are so many people that are suffering at the moment that don't have access to water, they don't have electricity, they don't have access to food. Um, and if there was a, a successful ceasefire, at least the civilians could get out of the way and mm. be able to, to get essentials. Um, it's actually devastating for uh, the people in, in the midst of uh, the, the fighting and uh, the people that have been caught in the in the crossfire mm. um, there are thousands i think that the last figure that we had was over 3000 people that have been injured and uh, with most of the hospitals that have been closed and so on it uh, the the local sudanese population is really in dire straits at this stage mm-hmm. have you been been in touch pierre with uh, other with uh, firstly south african authorities but also other south africans as well about uh, what to do when when you as you say are caught in the crossfire you find you there for all sorts of reasons. What now? Yeah, and you know, there has been some uh, communication from from the the local SA embassy, uh, but the embassy is also in in the uh, downtown Khartoum area where a lot of the fighting has taken place. Um, so there's there's really uh, as much as we would like to be evacuated and uh, uh, assisted, uh, it is quite difficult on on the ground.
Mm. And and we and we uh, wish you well, Pierre. We we send you strength, and of course, um, hope that uh, you remain safe. Well, thank you for joining us this uh, morning. For more on the conflict in Sudan, we're now joined on the line by Professor Anthony uh, Fanukirk from the Tabo Mbegi African School of Public and International Affairs. Was listening in on that uh, conversation. We'll go to we'll go to a prof in just a moment. Quick break, and we'll continue to highlight the uh, conflicts taking place currently in Sudan. Let me now welcome Prof, uh, Professor Anthony Fanukirk from the Tabo Mbege African School of Public and International Affairs. Professor, thank you very much for your time with us this morning. Um, you had a listen in there from a peer South African who is currently stuck in, in Khartoum in Sudan. Perhaps uh, let's start off uh, by just highlighting the significance of, um, of this conflict that we have seen here. Sudan is in a, um, in, in, in a very politically um, unstable region, if you will. It's a, it's a vital region, but currently unstable as well. Why is this particular, this particular um, event and this conflict important for, for the region, the rest of the continent, and why, and why the globe should care um, and watch closely what happens here? Yeah, um, good morning. Um, uh, and uh, yes, it's it's very much a pertinent question. I was listening in uh, to to Pierre, I think is his name. Yes. Um, yeah, and the picture that he sketches is is similar to some of the reports that uh, we've heard um, from elsewhere in the course of the past few days. It is it's indeed a humanitarian um, disaster. Uh, those who can have already fled. Twenty thousand people went to Chad, the closest neighboring country. Uh, hundreds did thousands injured, hospitals closed, uh, uh, and and these attempts to broker sort of a, a ceasefire just for a day or two days is really an attempt by all the international, the UN and other agencies to, to establish a humanitarian corridor, so to speak, to get some people out and supplies in just to uh, to assist the you know the the victims of this of this violence this doesn't seem to to work so it it gets much worse and uh, the predictions are that um, there's no quick end in sight for this uh, very violent Mm. Uh, outbreak between the two rival factions. I think we know by now that there are two military muscle men who are trying to unseat each other. Um, this has a long history, of course. Uh, we can talk about that if you want. Yes, please. Let, think... Let's do that, Prof. <laughs> okay. Yeah. No, indeed. So, so I mean, listeners will know that Sudan is is it's a very it's a huge country. It's yeah. uh, the third largest. Yeah. Uh, it sits there uh, up north in a as you say in a volatile region. Uh, between Central Africa, the Horn of Africa, and North Africa. Um, and, and, and people will know that uh, Sudan has a very unstable history from the mm. days of colonial, the British colonial history uh, has, has, and, and the, the rivalries between nationalities and religion between North and South has, has, has caused South Sudan to break away, to secede and become independent. But that has been accompanied by violence itself and is still unstable as we speak. Mm. In fact, uh, as South Africans, uh, the South African government has put a lot of effort into assisting South Sudan to, to stabilize, uh, not calculating or not realizing that, that Sudan itself, the mother country, so to speak, is, is very fragile and in fact, there was an attempt. I mean, South Africans know al-Bashir. Oh, oh, yes. <laughs> he came to visit us and we were supposed to lock him up because of, you know, uh, uh, misdeeds in Darfur, mm. where where a, 
a semi-paramilitary force was running around called the Janjaweed. Um, in fact, the guy who ran the Janjaweed uh, supported al-Bashir and became a strongman, a military strongman himself, Hamiti. He, he turned against al-Bashir and him and, uh, and other military forces got rid of al-Bashir so we didn't have to lock him up and, mm. and take him to the ICC. They, uh, they, they pulled a coup on him. And, and there was an attempt in the past few years to, from the international community, from the region, from, from Africa itself, the AU, to effect a transition in Sudan from military rule mm. uh, and authoritarianism, if you want. The military really controls all the resources in the country. Yeah. And as we know, it's oil rich and there's lots of gold to some kind of democracy. And um, in the process, the military didn't stand down. They wanted to be part of the transitional government. And about two years ago, they overthrew um, Abdullah Hamduk, who was the prime minister at the time, uh, in another coup and took control. Um, Duran is the, is the uh, military mm. controller at the moment of the, mm. of the Sudanese army. Mm. Uh, could the, could now... this prop have, have been then predicted that any, I suppose, at, attempt at trying to return the country to, to civilian rule from military rule mm. was, was always going to be a very difficult process? I can't, I can't imagine that yeah. perhaps uh, one would have thought it would be difficult to this point um, where people are being, are being killed in, in, in the hundreds and, and there isn't a sign really of, of an end to this anytime soon. Yeah, I think we should have. I mean, the red flag went up about a year ago uh, uh, last year when, when in the transition, uh, in the planning uh, to to return the country to civilian rule, to democracy. One of the key things that you have to do, and this is true for many countries that's undergoing this this transition, including South Africa, we went from apartheid to democracy. We had to decide what do you do with the army or the rival military yeah. forces, and they need to be integrated. Uh, demobilized and put under civilian control. Uh, that process of, of security sector reform, including police and the intelligence and so on, is very, very vital to, to, to get to a stable situation. It's true for the DRC, by the way, as well, where it's not working at the moment. Mm. And in Sudan, that is exactly the peace agreement said the, the rival military forces, uh, including this rapid deployment force or whatever, it's support force, uh, needs to be integrated and put under control uh, of a civilian government. There's mm. no civilian government because Duran, the military man, has decided that he wants to run the country. Mm. <clears throat> and in a few, in a couple of months, the temperature rose so fast. It's like a nuclear reactor that goes out of control. Uh, there's nothing there to cool it down, and it exploded. And so we see an explosion now. Uh, where uh, the violence will probably not end until the one mm -hmm. or the other military mm -hmm. faction takes over. This means uh, that there's no space for negotiation, despite many telephone calls from <clears throat> interested outsiders. Uh, and that's another topic we can discuss. So the Americans, the West, uh, the Americans, the Europeans, the British are all making calls to the two military generals. Yes. Can you stand down? Can you stand down? But they're not listening because that's not in their interest to stand on. They don't want to subject themselves. They don't want to integrate into the other party. 
They want to take control. Mm, mm. Uh, well, what and, what and then, the f- Prof, just as we wind down, what then would justify perhaps an um, intervention of whatever nature from, from outside, particularly because uh, many civilians mm. here um, are, are trapped, are stuck, are, um, they, their lives are at risk. You have um, humanitarian and aid workers. But, of course, you also have diplomatic um, workers as well who are still still in the country. Those people need need, need to get out. If, if, if these generals are not, are not prepared to cease fire, not prepared, of course, to come to the table for conversation, yeah. Would, would would then um, an intervention from outside be justified in such a case? Yeah, no, 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 you're right. So so there's already been an overture by by Africans, by the AU, and by a regional organisation called IGAT, to send a sort of peacemakers uh, to uh, to talk to the generals. Yeah, uh, in, including the president of Kenya. Um, uh, <clears throat> help me out, Ruto, um, and one or two others. Uh, sort of political leaders of the neighboring countries, of the neighborhood, to go and talk sense to the generals. Mm -hmm. This is not happening because you can't even land in Khartoum with an airplane. It's simply too dangerous. Mm -hmm. So what the West is doing uh, is they are beginning to prepare for evacuation plans. So if you can't use an airplane at the airport, you might want to use helicopters, Mm -hmm. uh, move people out. But now we're talking of hundreds and thousands of people that would sure. need to be evacuated. Yeah. And, and, and the time is not right for, for this kind of event to happen at the moment. So the prospects for peace at the moment are dim. And on that, on that very uh, grim note, uh, Prof, we'll have to park it there this morning. The story will continue to watch closely. Thank you very much there, Professor Anthony van from the Tabombeg African School of Public and International Affairs.